Busted Limes podcast. I'm your host, Paresh Maharaj, and for this episode, we reunited with our old pal Space Song to do a one-year check-in on our darling wrestling promotion, AEW. We start off with the obvious subject, um, i.e. how they've handled holding a wrestling show during a pandemic, which includes talks of the Speaking Out movement, which, as Black Belt explains, is wrestling's Me Too. So, brace yourself if you're sensitive to that sort of discussion. And um, from there, we transition to our criticisms of the brand, but ultimately end on a positive note with our personal highlights, including our favorite matches, moments, and what those New Japan teases could possibly mean. So, get your star ratings and hot takes ready, and enjoy the show. All right, so, we're here we are, one year in. AEW, I'd like to say, has been going strong, despite uh, 2020 happening. Yeah, I mean, I think the fact that they've done as well as they have this year after 2020 happened it is just more impressive. The fact that it has been one of the best shows I have kept up with in years uh, through all of this is both amazing and concerning, but hey, they seem to be doing okay on the whole entire nobody catching COVID thing. Like, unless it's like from an outside source. Right. Like, nobody who's gotten COVID on the roster or been at risk has like gotten it as a result of being at an AEW show is the key, I think. Right. And the other good news is none of the audience, which they've been having audiences in there. Yeah, which, um, that's a whole discussion. Oh, God, so, yeah. Yeah, it, yeah, it's one of those things where it's like, given the bad, both involuntary and voluntary, I guess is a way of putting it, they've managed to do pretty well. Right. It's impressive. It, yeah. they, they are not messing around, and it shows. Yes. Yeah, because uh, I think uh, the, right from the very beginning, they said, like, hey, only those who want to come in, come in. And yeah. I, and unfortunately, I think that's led to a lot of notable absences like Pac. But yeah. it's like, what are you going to do? Right. Right. What? And uh, Mox already, uh, he came into contact with, well, he didn't test positive, but he came into someone who was, a, it was Renee, right? Right. And I yeah. mean, again, like that's not on them. <laughs> right. It's for, it's on that other yeah. company. And like even people who have come in on Dark who, um, either tested positive or knew they came into contact with people again, like they still got tested before they wrestled their match and tested negative. Like right, they're right. still doing on-site testing with the talent at least. Yeah. So I think we're yeah. just, I think that all that just to say, like we're all in agreement that overall the product has been very good, very solid as of late. Definitely. What, yeah. Definitely. I mean, we're still watching it a year in, so I think that <laughs> in and of itself speaks to it. I think I'm going to go ahead and just put my personal letter grade. I'm going I'm going to do it as a letter grade here cool. okay, up sure, front. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm going to uh-huh. give it a solid B. Hey, B's get degrees. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I was because because like it ain't perfect, and personally for me, some of the problems with it is. They had a lot of promises that they for this first year that they didn't quite, you know, meet up with. Some of them, some of them being like the the main one being sports centric presentation. Yeah, now, that is a vague thing to hang mm-hmm. one's hat on. But right. for me, I was expecting something a little more New Japan 
New, uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling, for people who are not familiar, uh, it is the promotion that a lot of these guys in AEW uh, uh, got their start. Uh, no, definitely not got their start, but definitely got most famous through um, uh, your Kenny Omegas and Young Bucks. But um, honestly, I, I can't hold it against them because the thing that they have done is while people will say, hey, this is sports entertainment. Yes, but it is a far better show than yeah. anything described as sports entertainment. And I like to think of it more as a show, which I yeah. believe is the philosophy that they have as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I definitely. Think, yeah, I think not just the match quality, which I think across the board has been spectacular. Like I, I'd almost say the matches are so good, it's a detriment to them because the average AEW match is good enough that any AEW matches that don't live up to the hype or just aren't good look so much worse in comparison to the rest of the show. Yeah, some of the show, some of the matches that are a little more botchy or yeah. maybe uh, are paced weird, like y- you feel it. You, like, yeah, it you feel it and it kind of takes you out of the moment and you find yeah. yourself like, I'm looking at my phone more than I am at the television yeah. screen. That's not good. <laughs> yeah, I, I do feel across right. the board, is, yeah, like storyline quality, um, long term storytelling has felt pretty well done. Like, in most places i will say that i'm um, talking about any issues we have like you brought up you know promises they made that i'm quite lived up to i think when we talk about any issues or flaws with aew i think a distinction can be made between issues with aew and issues with pro wrestling because i think one thing that's disappointed a lot of people this year is we've seen that despite a lot of promises aew made they are still very guilty of and susceptible to a lot of issues that are prevalent in the pro wrestling industry at large and while they should obviously de- still be called out and held accountable for those things, I do think it's a slightly different discussion than specifically issues with AEW as a company, you know? Right. Yeah. And I, if I had to take a wild guess, you're alluding to a lot of the things that came out this summer uh, around June for the speaking out movement. Yeah, that, that, that was, that's one of two things. I'd say... Easily my biggest issue with AEW so far has been some of their more questionable hiring choices. And I think di- like a diversity of the roster is a part of that, but more so than that, really. And like I say, it's like diversity in the roster is a big thing for me. I would love for there to be a higher number of you no know, prevalent black wrestlers on the roster. Like, but I mean, what I'm specifically speaking about here is, you know, as was alluded to, the speaking out movement over the summer, which for those not in the loop um was really sort of the wrestling community's me too movement in a sense a large very significant number of prevalent wrestlers were outed as sex pests and etc and um many were very rightfully um removed and fired from shows and promotions but of course as is the nature with entertainment industries that tend to protect the um successful there are several wrestlers that unfortunately are not out of a job. And I mean, while many promotions are guilty of that, we are specifically talking about AEW today. So two very prevalent examples in AEW are Justin Roberts, one of the ring announcers, and Darby Allin, one of the wrestlers, who both were accused of um, abusive or creepy behavior. And my issue, even more than the fact that they are still on screen is the fact that, you know, there was no acknowledgement of those accusations from the company. Two other people in the company, Sammy Guevara and Jimmy Havoc, both had um, accusations of, in Sammy Guevara's case, it was more just 
extremely inappropriate um tweets was things that he yeah. like things on a podcast that he had said jimmy havoc it was actual things that he did but both of them mm-hmm. the company um in one case fired in one case suspended them and released official statements about those situations with justin roberts and darby all and there was no acknowledgement at all from the company and that was very disappointing to me yeah because apparently the way they justified the darby allen situation was that well and I'm, I'm kind of gonna butcher the quote here but they said that apparently the situation had already been resolved between parties which that could mean any number of things yeah apparently the argument was that it was something that both parties both parties i'm assuming meaning darby and his accuser had resolved the issue in their past and apparently one aspect of it was that darby had a, it dms that he showed to tony khan that cleared up the situation which just sounds even more shady like that's my hmm. thing like if darby had something that was good enough to exonerate himself i'd like to know what that is instead of having to speculate about backroom dealings to get him back on the show like the secrecy hmm. the intentional secrecy is more concerning to me in this situation yeah yeah, yeah. For, and the, the other thing that i would say is all issue with the wrestling community industry at large that i think aw is guilty of is um their handling of the matt hardy injury situation at all out um oh my god yeah which um yes. I, I will yeah. say that uh, and again for those out of the loop um during an i guess for lack of a better term extreme rules match at all out between matt hardy and sammy guevara literally less than five minutes into the match matt hardy um during a spot where he fell off of a high rise through a table basically the whole upper half of his body missed the table and he hit his head and was very visibly out of it and concussed and he hit they his head initially... on like smooth like stadium cement like yeah on yeah. concrete that's the important point like Thank he you. could <laughs> not stand up he literally like, could not stand up and the thing is they initially rightfully so ended the match Stop on the it. spot but then for some reason through a series of poor judgment calls i still don't fully understand restarted the match just so matt and sammy could do, do the final part of the match. incredibly dangerous spot exactly and like going back to rewatching that spot like they had to climb something and throw sammy off of it sammy was literally having to drag matt up that thing with him so they could do the spot extremely dangerous and i mean this again is just a symptom of the larger issue in the wrestling industry the whole self-destructive show must go on mentality where it's mm-hmm. like in a situation like that, you cannot let the wrestler decide whether they can wrestle because it's not up to them at that point. Like exactly. when cognitive injuries are a factor there or a potential factor there, they don't get to make the choice of whether they're good to go or not. Because of course they're going to want to finish the show, but that's why you don't give them the choice. You don't let your kid get on the bike after they've fallen off and hit their head because you have to be the parent in the situation. The refs need to be an authority figure in this situation and make the right call. The doctors need to make the right call. And somebody made the wrong call that day. And as far as I understand on that situation, it was Matt Hardy saying, no, no, I'm good. I'm going to go finish the match. And Tony Khan going, okay, Matt, you're the professional. Let's go, bud. Seriously? Yeah. Actually, I heard it was the doctor saying it, but I think it was a combination of the doctor and Tony um, taking Matt's word for it that he could do it, which again, should never be the waiting situation ever. Brief side tangent for a sec. Can we just talk about just how much of a bad um, bad start that Matt Hardy's been having. How about, oh, no, not a bad start, but a bad deal that Matt Hardy's just been having in general since he started at EW because he had yeah. to debut his yes. uh, his broken Matt. He brought back the broken Matt Hardy gimmick to an empty arena. So Yeah. Which I still think they did the best with what they could with that. I and, mean, honestly, yeah. apparently they couldn't have done the drone spot in an arena with people, so it actually kind of yeah. worked out better for him. Like, oh, in well, the arena... They, 
they were initially going to do it in before they had to move locations because of COVID, they wouldn't have been able to do that spot. So apparently that worked out better. Well, yeah, but then, but yeah, then first he debuts an empty arena, and then now this, and it's just uh-huh. like, and oh no, and that even before this, it was it was this concussion. It was was that before or after Sammy cracked his head open with the chair by accident. Before that was before. But real real oh, well. quick though. Um, before before we move on from the uh, him smacking his head on the cement thing, um, I even recall seeing some medical professionals uh, professionals who are wrestling fans saying like, if that was the doc's call to allow him to continue that match, that guy should not be working for yeah. AEW or any sports organization because that is incredibly negligent. Oh, I saw it too. I, I honestly think that the blaming it on the doctor was a scapegoating thing like i think tony and someone else on his level like agreed to that call with matt and they wanted to offshoot some of that heat reading between the lines on uh matt hardy's wife's uh tweets about it after that happened uh, she was saying it it was the decision of two very stupid men and that to me means that's matt and tony yeah and i mean she was also very clear that she was partially blaming a match i'm guessing the other person was tony khan oh yeah you absolutely know that uh in the first show where matt hardy came back she was just um scowling onto that mask supposedly aside from like going down to like see matt in the hospital she drove down there specifically to yell at tony khan or whoever else she was holding responsible uh-huh. i mean i would too I mean, yeah. I would too. Yeah. Yeah, no. like say you will what you will about rebby but she was very rightfully angry in that situation yes yeah. uh famous famously an anti-vax advocate Rebby yeah. Hardy. <laughs> i mean i was also going to say that you know anytime she goes on a twitter rant against someone you should take it with a grain of salt whether she should actually be angry but in this instance there's no questioning that she reacted correctly right i'm, I'm with uh, yeah. Rebby on this one yeah um, mm-hmm. but but speaking to your point that he's had a rough time in aew not even just from like a like uh him getting the shit kicked out of him uh <laughs> uh he has kind of had a bad time with like uh you know as you said just the empty arenas the broken math thing not working out he but honestly he's a professional and he's i think he's pivoting pretty well yeah the uh, thing about matt hardy is he's one of the most adaptable wrestlers you'll ever see and he's making what he's being given work yeah and i'm really interested to see where they go with the so they're gonna try and do the the sammy story i guess yeah like i guess they want to give the logical... matchup yeah give the match a proper payoff yeah give it a logical ending and i it i'm excited because it's going to be an actual like broken universe match from the implications oh, yeah. of it because oh, nice. they're going to be doing it at his at his uh at the hardy compound his house which which includes his brother's house so maybe we'll we'll get a cameo a little <laughs> brother nero cameo. yeah a little, a little brother nero uh something to that effect but you know uh i mean because how fucking awkward would it be if jeff's just chilling on his porch watching them shoot like from that would be like however long away (laughs) and he's just like yeah no don't ask why i'm not participating that is the peak of what i want though yeah no (laughs) i mean part of me is like oh wwe would never let that happen part of me is like no do it to piss off wwe like there's a very spiteful part of me that wants that to happen you know, we we can't be critical of AEW without talking about the thing that I think they have failed uh, the most on, which is no fault of the people participating, but the 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 women's division needs so much work, and it's it's one of those things. I I, I do want to say like, hopefully, 
from my perspective, it's one of those things where it's like they keep getting dealt a raw hand where they don't have as many women that they could be working with. A lot of their big names, um, like uh, Riho, like a lot of the Japanese women. Uh, Shayna, she's uh, she lives in Portugal, and uh, so she can't come over. Uh, same as Pac. Uh, yeah, I think but, one important thing to um note with this though is like you said, they've been dealt a raw hand with COVID and you know availability, and they're trying to like mm -hmm. build out the rosters all they can. So, but I think that you know when you look at the things they do have control of and they are responsible for, like there's a lot of stuff they deserve to be criticized for. Like I don't have the exact stat in front of me, unfortunately, but um a wrestling journalist who I follow, I'm going to credit uh Kristen Ashley, um great. Um, wrestling journalist, I would highly recommend following them if you want good takes on pretty much all wrestling stuff right now. She actually wrote and did a lot of interviews for the PWI 100 women's list this year. Super cool. Definitely recommend checking it out. Um, she was running the numbers on wrestling, um, women in wrestling, of course, and one thing she noted is between NXT and Dynamite, NXT literally has had in the last year, like from Dynamite starting and they went live, twice as many women's matches on their weekly shows specifically and their women on average have twice as much screen time in non-wrestling segments as AEW's women do and the average dynamite women's match run like match time is less than 12 minutes i don't remember the exact timestamp yeah, but it's close to 10 minutes and yeah, the reason why that irritates me is because it should not be that difficult to book one or even a two women's matches with the amount of women they have accessible to them right now. And we're recording sure. this on October 19th. This Wednesday, they have six matches announced for their two-hour Dynamite. Five of those matches are men's matches. The four first-round matches for their World Championship Tournament match. And then the one tag team number one contendership match. And then the one women's match they have announced is Britt Baker in action, air quotes. They haven't announced an opponent yet in action. It usually just means squash match. My thing is, if you have six matches scheduled for a two-hour show, someone's getting the short end of the stick, and I don't think it's going to be Kenny Omega. Like, I'm sorry, but on a regular <laughs> show, where you, the average number of matches per show is four to five matches, and you still can't give women more than ten matches a night, I'm not optimistic for how much time Britt Baker and whoever she's feuding with right now are going to get. And that's frustrating to me, because there are so many talented women who, and I'll admit, if you want to see AEW's women kicking ass, check out Dark on Tuesday nights, or any of the yes. episodes are already up on YouTube, because they have a lot yeah. of stuff going on on there. Oh, yeah. But also, it feels like there's only ever one or two women's storylines going on at once. Like, the champion, whoever they're feuding with at the moment, and then, like, maybe one other match going on. Like, we were talking right. all out earlier. Going, and they don't that. get they don't get billing on the same show. It's like this week it's the championship story. Next week it's we just came out of the big Britain Swole story. And it, so. Do all the first round matches really need to be on the same show? Like I really thought they were going to space yeah. that out. More. Yeah, that that's that was a weird choice. That, like that just seemed well, they got a they weird. they got a they're they're rushing the full gear setup for the right. uh, men stuff. That doesn't make it okay that uh, the women yeah. are getting the short stick of right. this because. I think the fact of the matter here is, is like they just need to put the women on TV. Like that's yeah. like, like yeah. the, the concern, like the, the entire concern is that like the women they do have access to, they're too green. Like I get it. And the thing is, is I think, I think they just need to eat it. They just need to get them out there, have them cut some promos, let it be awkward. And then in like a month's time, they will be fine. 
You know what Here's I mean? Thing, like right, that. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and they have, well, hold on, let me finish. They have, I, I have turned to this excuse several times. They have the best minds in wrestling. Yeah. They can figure something mm-hmm. out. You know what I mean? And so it absolutely is a problem that the women don't get enough. Like, like part of me does get the concern, but at, like, like I said, they just got to eat it and just yeah. get through it. Yeah. Like, like I yeah. don't care if the TV, like the television quality of the women's stuff is like a three out of five <laughs> for a while. <laughs> yeah. It will get there. You know what I mean? It will right. get there. Right, right, right. Yeah. But I think the issue though, is that, you know, the, thing with you know oh some of the women are green like there are legitimately men getting more screen time that are more green than a lot of the women that are still on dark like i like a lot of people in AEW right now but i mean across both divisions both the genders there are many people with less than five years of experience and i just personally even if that is why they aren't showing a lot of these women on the show don't think that's a good enough excuse like honestly like half of the tournament matches put a couple of those on dark to get people's eyes on there once or twice like what happened to kenny omega and joey janela having the most talked about match of that month on in the dark main event like have a tournament match on there get people's eyes on your other show where you're putting all of your women do something else to like base out your content yeah no they did that uh joey janela versus kenny omega match on aew dark and i'm sad that they haven't done more stuff like that where it's like hey we're gonna have cody on aew dark wrestling somebody yeah like, there that a... you do kind of want to see him wrestle yeah why not do a tnt title defense on dark that's a perfect place to do that like they, there was a solid two or three months where they were booking dark almost as like strongly as they were booking the weekly show and now it's like kind of they're booking it like they like feel like notes. it's well no no it's it's booking it they're they're using it as a like literally a job application for a lot of the uh, wrestlers yeah. that they're bringing oh, in. Okay, okay. Currently, AEW Dark exists as like a two to sometimes close to three hour show. Yeah. It's insane because mm. they have a bunch of indie talent that they're putting up against their um, mid card and occasionally top tier talent. Right. Um, to kind of see like okay, who's interesting? Who do we want to keep using throughout like this coming year? Who do we want to keep? Uh, who do we potentially want to sign? Because more re- a recent signee, uh, Will Hobbs, came from. Um, I think Kylan King just got signed, and they have more women to work with suddenly. But but it, you're right. Like the, they need to use this stuff smarter because like the yeah. women are all over dark, but they just they need to be on TV. Like yeah. you want you want yeah. people to wrestle better. You put them on TV. You make them exactly sink or swim in a way that will not be like terrible. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean <laughs> honestly, like the thing is, and like we, they've been saying this like since the company started, their biggest disadvantage to WWE is they don't have a equivalent to the Performance Center yet. They're kind of working with like QT Marshall's wrestling school, and they're trying to get the Nightmare Family, Nightmare Factory thing going. But like right now, when your only option to get people in ring experience is to have them wrestling on TV, just have them wrestle on TV. Like exactly. honestly, the time to be doing that and just like biting the bullet was a year ago when you were a brand new company and could get away with having green ass people on live TV. I will say th- there was one point that you made a moment ago about um, the greenness of the talent, both men and women. Yeah. I will say it is a bit unfair. This is one of those things that goes back to um, just the wrestling industry being what yeah. it is, and less a AEW problem, but. Five years of experience for a male wrestler versus five years experience for a women's wrestler are two completely different worlds. I completely agree. Oh? 
because the indie scene for women is not as uh, there's just not as much going on. Like there's no, what, what you have is like a lot of regional indie promotions that don't have a lot of women wrestlers. So mm, that's how, that yeah. is why intergender wrestling became so popular because yeah. it was basically men's wrestlers going, Oh, you showed up to wrestle tonight and you have nobody to wrestle. I'll wrestle you. Ah, okay. Yeah. I mean, to keep in mind, Sammy Guevara and Britt Baker have been wrestling for almost the same amount of time. And I guarantee you, wow. Sammy has double the amount of matches under his belt. Definitely. Yeah. And double Definitely. the amount of um on-screen time. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And that's not not good for <laughs> AEW to do that to Brit, but uh no. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's the thing. Like n- of course Sammy is as good as he is now. He's wrestled or had a segment on almost every episode of Dynamite. So like whereas I mean that's the thing. It's unequal opportunities are going to get you unequal results. Yeah, and they need to they need to honestly they need to do more. Oh, one of the things that AEW was going to do was um work with a lot of indies and that isn't just bringing people in but sending people out right and that was kind of the cool thing that i was thinking about like before the pandemic hit is like okay they have this opportunity to go just like send like okay we signed this woman's wrestler she can go wrestle here while we're not using her that kind of thing she can go just Uh, tour around the west coast wrestling the women out there and then you're you have her meeting women meeting people who they can bring into AEW to do dark matches for squashes and stuff and eventually possibly even bring them to the nightmare factory that that felt like the, the kind of thing that they were going to be doing but they right. have not had the opportunity to do that and yeah. which the, for the record the, though it is a good thing that they even give their talent the option talents have a lot of freedom you know to wrestle yeah. elsewhere when you know the world isn't ending Right. Exactly. Yeah. But, that, but that, yeah. keeping this keeping this focus back on you know AEW's issue with women, right? And and just the wrestling industry's issue, just not having there's there's just not enough women getting booked on any wrestling show. There's just not enough women yeah. to that are booked to wrestle one another, which is leading to intergender wrestling becoming popular, which is a good thing. I love that. But yeah. it's yeah. just like one of those things where it's like, that's, that is a, it's an invention from the necessity. You know what right. I mean? Exactly. And, yeah. Yeah. And they just, AEW has a platform where they can absolutely, you know, take charge and be like, well, now we're going to give you all those matches that yeah. you didn't get on the indies. Now you can just have them. <laughs> and you're going, we're also going to be having these matches with those same indie women who maybe it was harder for you to connect to have that match because you're on you're six states away or something like that. And it's just, you know, that it's a big ask to ask somebody who works a full-time job and wrestles on in their spare time to, you know, drive that far just for a single women's match that won't even be like a main event match. So, yeah, you know, it, yeah. It, it sucks. Like, like a lot of the issues that AEW's women's division had, is, it, it comes from you know just where America's wrestling scene for women is. And I, I don't like WWE at all, but I absolutely have to give them props for seeing that they can you know 
lead the charge on that. And they kind of right. have. Yeah, like, I guess, have a very yeah, all, good job. All and, I'm and, seeing in all I'm seeing from WWE Twitter right now is just how awesome Sasha and Bailey have been. Yeah, I mean, it took them long enough to get there. But I mean, that's the thing. The one positive, like, tip of the hat I can give to WWE right now is that their women's division is a keeping people's attention and people are enjoying it granted yeah. that's literally one angle in the women's division and literally one thing people are enjoying in this entire company so not that much of a positive but it is there mm -hmm. right yeah and it's just one of those things where i do want to get to that point yeah Oh, yeah. I want, I want, I want Dynamite to just be all women's matches. One. Oh, I want, like, I want to us to the get point, there. We need to get the point where the women's title is main eventing pay per views. That was the impl. So they they said that they would be doing stuff like that eventually. Yeah. Like, but way way before, like, we even knew they were going to be on TNT. They had alluded to, yeah, no, like, all the world titles will get like you know top billing slot at, at some point. So. The, the women's division right. needs work. Like, that is like 20, yeah. 30 minutes of us talking about the women's division just to say it needs work. <laughs> and it's not even at the yeah. fault of the women because there's like right. so much talent there. Like, Britt Baker is amazing. Chris Stafford is amazing. Like, we could just go down the list here. Yeah, I think the fact that these we spent women are 20, 30 minutes talking about the women speaks to how much we love and respect these women and want to see them be given this platform to succeed and exceed everybody's expectations and just be great at wrestling. I do want to end on the like coolest note about the AEW yeah. uh, women's division being uh, Nyla Rose being a trans wrestler, and they just don't even like like yeah, absolutely. Right. It, it just right. is what it is, dude. It's it's so cool how they handle uh -huh. Nyla. Like like it is yeah. the best shit. And yeah. I I mean, if they, you want to. Any benefit of the doubt I will give them, it comes from that. Just period. Yeah, right. The, the, right. That alone shows me that, like, you know, once they flesh out the roster more eventually, hopefully, like, I, to me, like, and granted, I'm far from an expert on this, but to me, I feel like that's, like, the ideal for, like, rep that kind of representation. Like, she is a badass transgender woman, but, like, you're not booking her as the badass transgender woman. She's just another <laughs> one of the women who is just as probably more badass than a lot of women on the roster. Oh, yeah. Which, yeah. Yeah. which I mean, again, bringing up the, oh, people are so green argument, Nyla, a very new, new to the wrestling scene, and she had the rocket strapped to her from her first match at the first double or yes. nothing. Oh, with, my God, yeah. yes. Those two matches yeah. she had with Riho were just... Mm. Oh, God, yeah. that Like, the definition of star-making matches. I, um, yeah. everything I said about the women's wrestling scene in America, like being like a total crapshoot, like mm -hmm. in most yeah. uh, cases, in most scenarios, uh, that times 10 for trans women wrestlers. Oh, oh 100%. God. Yeah, no, it's, yeah. And speaking of that, I'd like to kind of segue from this talking about, you know, Nyla being a absolutely inspirational amount of trans representation you know just talk about representation in general because we talked about the diversity of the roster i do want to talk a little bit about that because i mean you know as minorities you're always looking i uh, me as a minority i'm looking to see myself represented positive in a because you know i'm a brown kid that grew up in a post 9-11 america i only ever saw brown people yep. as either terrorists or the it nerd basically my entire life yeah and the reason why i for this part i want to talk about wwe versus aew is because there's 
a very small number of black wrestlers in um aew right now like the most prominent ones i think are scorpio sky will hobbs um and big swole and like those are just the ones that are like on contract they've brought in a lot of um other indie wrestlers like um shug d who have had amazing matches and like um Mm -hmm. i apologize if there are other big names that i've missed but i don't have very detailed notes despite do you what mind do you mind if i shout out two real quick that yes, i am do. quite positive are signed but are just on dark at the moment as enhancement talent uh lee johnson and um oh god i just forgot it oh no thank you for calling uh, out sean dean sean dean sean dean awesome the captain sean dean thank both of those guys are they they have both gotten new gear uh i believe lee johnson just got new music so they're definitely doing something with those two guys so thank you but like and then so and that's great but like looking at wwe here's the thing like i said i don't think anybody on this podcast likes wwe but like here's the thing (laughs) wwe has a very diverse roster but they don't use Mm -hmm. it very well that's the thing like exactly like that's the key in our first AEW episode Paration and I talked about how upset we were with the usage and treatment of Mustafa Ali and angles and basically him being used as the butt monkey for Brock, Le- Brock Lesnar. Right. So right now, what right. Mustafa Ali's been doing after just kind of just being the mid-card guy who puts on a good match and loses for the people who actually have a storyline thus far, um, he's turned heel, um, which, first of all, I'm very thankful that he's not a stereotypical foreign heel. He's very much the same character, just turned heel now. And right. um, he's the been plot twist revealed as the leader of Retribution, which is just WWE rehashing the net the Nexus angle for like the fifth time in ten years. But I mean, <laughs> it's still like an inherently stupid angle because, like, you know, not to go too deeply into it, but the whole concept of WWE hiring people whose stated objective is to destroy the company because they know right. having people who are trying to destroy the company putting on matches will get them good ratings makes no fucking sense to me. And also just the irritation of the angle being, yes, these people are upset that they weren't booked well, so they're rebelling. So, like, you acknowledge your booking is bad, but then you're just booking around the fact that your booking is bad. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> so, like, that's the thing. Like, on the one hand, I'm happy that, hey, Mustafa Ali has a prominent storyline. He's getting featured prominently on Raw. On the other hand, it's in a dog shit angle. And that's the constant struggle when you're a minority and want representation. It's the struggle of, mm-hmm. do I settle for scraps or do I just enjoy objectively good content that does not have any of the representation i'm looking for right now and that's kind of the struggle i feel with aew and wwe and right now i'm choosing the latter and as much as i like aew it doesn't feel good and like i not it's i kind of and that's the thing because you talk about shit like that and like what's the easy solution the solution is like you know you want them to sign and feature more wrestlers but it's hard to ask them to sign more people when right. you know it's so hard for people to even do that with the pandemic and it's just and that's the str- i keep saying the struggle because it is really a very emotional struggle to want to see yourself and know that you know the easy answer is just barely out of grasp. And this is a very long-winded way of me saying, Mustafa Ali, please jump ship to AEW and win the World Championship. That is literally all I want. Yeah, no. Please. Ali, Ali would be a huge pickup Ali for Ali should be AEW. a main eventer anyway. WWE does not know how good they have it. Like, really I don't. wish there was someone like Mustafa Ali on TV when I was 10 years old. I don't oh. get why. You know what? No, we're not going to talk about WWE problems. For no, you, but I almost talked about the mistreatment of uh, Xavier. 
suppose you could be on a Middle Carter, but that's not okay. Happen. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, <laughs> let's get let's let's read this in a little bit back to WWE. I mean, there are entire podcasts already about issues with WWE. Um, I'm not a fan of the guy, but if you check out Dave Meltzer, he covers it pretty well. Um, but anyway, moving on. Um, no, JK, Dave Meltzer. Um, <laughs> but yeah, oh, uh, yeah, and uh, it's just another thing. Um, you were mentioned earlier about how they don't make a big deal about um, Nyla being trans, and I think, um, you could you also see that with the way Sonny Kiss is booked and how oh, yeah yeah and how I mean, well she is yeah. referred to as in in by the announcers and everyone else. Yeah. yeah, props to them for actually being consistent with them getting Sonny Kiss's pronouns correctly. Like, yes, thank you, Jr. Jr. Specifically, Jr. is the one that would be the most concerning, but right. he's he's really nailed it. I was about to say when even Jr. can get somebody's pronouns right, like that goes to show you how little effort it actually takes. Right. Just think about that. Right. Which that that, that just makes that just kind of makes their some of their hiring choices a little more questionable. Give it Hager. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Which I, I don't I know. Mean, like like honestly, uh, like we... my thing is it's like look, speaking is like we, we all I think grew up in Georgia, or at least in the South. Like you're it's one corporations are fuck-ups about actually hiring people that meet their, you know, public values or whatever. Like, it, it's, like I said, that goes back to issues with the wrestling industry at a, as a whole, as opposed to AEW specifically. Because, like, you know, we're still clearly very far away from weeding out all of the dipshits and chuds from wrestling industry. Yeah. Yeah. And just speaking as just somebody... Uh, I, as a white guy, I, I would love to see more diversity on my television because, I mean, that is just the world. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, no. mm-hmm. you just you just need you don't have like an actual representation of like the world on television. Like, you're not really playing to as big of an audience as you could if you don't have that uh, that diversity there and. Mm-hmm. Honestly, you need the, those other perspectives to keep things fresh and interesting, and because they bring different ideas for drama, different ideas for comedy, and it's just it's all you know, it's all cultural. Like you just bring in different people, different ideas, different cultures, all over the like, just all over the world. You got different wrestlers from. Like, like the idea right now is we want to see people from Japan be in, you know, AEW because the hmm. New Japan teases. Exactly. Yep, yep. I knew that's where you're going with it. Yep. <laughs> there's like amazing wrestlers that aren't in Japan that are like in, you know, South Africa. Yeah. That you could be looking at. Like, there's all kinds of places that they could be pulling talent in from. Right. I do want to call out uh, for anybody who is interested in seeing like maybe like the pool of wrestlers that they could be pulling from. Uh, there is an independent promotion called Game Changer Wrestling, GCW, who had a huge event called The Collective. Uh, little asterisk next to that. They had a small uh, COVID outbreak at that. Uh, while, while that's not good, um, I do want to stress that it is an independent promotion. They, didn't have, they don't have the same kind of money or, or uh, medical... Uh, hookups, I guess you could say, yeah, resources to test everybody the way AEW does, but they had amazing sh- uh, matches at uh, the 
this big event called the collective this year. And it was just a, like a, basically a bunch of pay-per-views. And if you want like a really good look at like just the depth of black American wrestlers that WWE, AEW, New Japan, anyone could be pulling from right now. Yeah. Uh, check mm-hmm. out the show for the culture. Um, it was a ah, show yeah. booked by somebody that I desperately want AEW to sign a guy named AJ Gray. Uh, he basically just made his dream show, and it, it, nice. it, he even had um, Shook D, uh, Pineapple Pete, was uh, featured uh-huh. in a uh, intergender match for the uh, Pan Africa Diaspora uh, Championship title. Uh, nice. Which I'm just gonna say, if you don't think that's the coolest fucking sounding title name, I ever, know it's a cool looking belt too. I, I saw that belt, I was like, get that shit on my TV in HD. Oh my god, <laughs> it is. Somebody spent money on that belt because that's not like your typical yeah. independent wrestling belt. But anyway, that is I want to shout that out. I that is like the people that should be getting signed. Like my God, uh, Calvin Tankman. Calvin Tankman is my favorite indie wrestler right now. He's just huge dude, just massive, and he he does a running shooting star press, and he is a huge dude. And it's like wow, you. <laughs> Have the strength to lift all that weight up. <laughs> Just always impressive. Yeah. Yeah. As much as I love AEW and much as I'm glad that, you know, there's like, they are providing a legitimate alternative to WWE. They are not the only alternative to WWE. They're not the only other wrestling promotion and they should not be the end all be all for WWE alternatives. I really hope that, you know, as AEW can, you know, feature other wrestlers and promotions like Thunder Rosa with the NWA belt that, you know, Mm. people can just start expanding their horizons to what wrestling is across, you know, the world and across cultures and basically just understand that you have so many options that aren't WWE. Just stop watching WWE. Why do you still watch WWE? You don't like it. You just watch it out of obligation. It's like cheering for an Atlanta football team. You're not going to be happy. Just watch something else. are, Are you good? Yes. Are you yes. good? Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> um, but all I all I really want to say is that yeah, I really appreciate the diversity with again with Thunder Thunder Rosa. We got uh, Hikaru Shida, Sunny Nyla. Um, when are we gonna get? When are we gonna see some Daisies on the roster though, man? That's what right. I want. Just get all the Daisies out of WWE into AEW or New Japan. Like Please. that's the goal. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say uh, they need to grab every Joshi that Emi Sakura is trading and sign them immediately because they are all amazing. <laughs> I, I'm, willing bet, I'm willing to bet actual money that Kenny Omega is trying to make the Joshi to AEW pipeline a real thing. Yeah, well, th- that he needs to do it quickly because Kyrie's Yeah, the hit new anime of the summer is Kyrie Sane versus Kenny Omega to see who can recruit the most uh, Joshis. <laughs> Truly, I think um, I, I think they'll be okay if they just grab the uh, got to move girls and yeah. I mean, DDT has its own thing going on. Uh, yeah. That's where Maki Ito wrestles. But yeah, um, mm-hmm. all, all this to say, women's res- women's wrestling needs to be more represented. Uh, they need to. There, there's some great talent out there who just you know recently released white dude from wwe that yeah. they should be signing um absolutely just uh-uh. certain things there that they could be doing better now do we do we want to 
pivot this over to things that they've been really successful at. Yeah, yes, exactly. Yeah, that I was at actually... the beginning, but I, I do think that, you know, we could clarify that, you know, we like AEW, so let's talk about the things that we really like about them. Like, we talked about match quality and storyline quality, but I think... I, I really love this company. I yeah. really love that they exist. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, uh, where, where do you want to start? Do you want to start with more, like, where the storyline's been going, or just match quality, or highlights? Well, how do you want to do this? I think, um, I think probably the thing that we can point at is the thing I just kind of alluded to a minute ago in uh-huh. just like how good they have done like in f- terms of getting their name out there and proving like they are a place that people want to go and want to be uh the complete 180 the company new japan pro wrestling has done on wanting to work with them oh yeah from uh like, there, yeah. there's a lot of like behind the scenes stuff we could talk about with that uh, I don't know how deep we want to get into it, uh, but I think I, we can just say New Japan's um president was um fired and replaced, and almost immediately the public relationship between the company's talent ch- changed. Like, well, he wasn't he wasn't white. fired. He well, he decided not, to step down. He decided to step down because he was like, I'm not fit for this role anymore. Like, I remember that being discussed like way earlier in the year, even before COVID. Like, he was already planning an exit so i I do want to make that clear like it's not because he hasn't done something correctly or like maybe somebody at bushy road looked at how like how awesome aew was doing and found out like hey those guys wanted to work with us and go what the hell why didn't we you're fired i don't i don't think anything like that i I think he was Mm -hmm. genuinely on his way out anyway yeah yeah can we just talk about how this, how all this hype started? Like it was during uh, Chris Jericho's thirtieth uh, anniversary show, and then while all the superstars were giving their well wishes to Jericho for wrestling for thirty years, who was it who decided to throw his hat into the ring? Hiroshi Tanahashi, my favorite wrestler, King of the Himbos. Go Ace! <laughs> Go Ace! Bam! 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 I don't just, is... just go ahead. No, no, I want to hear you uh, talk about talk about this guy a lot because I just want to hear I want to hear you mark out about this guy. <laughs> I mean, I mean, he is just so crisp and clean in the ring. He he tells a wonderful story. He just an incredibly sweet dude, um, and and just I don't know, like like you want to see good people be wrestlers and be successful and and be very. Uh, booked strongly that is the dude like like he is like everything john cena could have been but just became a uso commercial (laughs) yeah no no. tanahashi is what john cena wishes he was he could have been yes yes i um so yeah so uh let me ask you this um what, what what did it mean for you seeing him as the first uh like for foray or the first tease uh, to any uh, connections between or any collaboration between AEW and New Japan. I think the first thing out of my mouth, oh, they're gonna cross over. They're <laughs> crossing over right now. That's going yeah. to happen. Like that. Yeah. Just period. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. like we went from so so just kind of give you a timeline of like the New Japan and AEW like relationship. Like we went from. Kenny Omega being the last member of the AEW like vice presidents, uh, who were all former New Japan wrestlers, he was the last one there. Like the other ones were done. December thirty first, two thousand eighteen, and twenty nineteen, he still had to go through to I believe 
Wrestle Kingdom. Once he was done yeah. with that, he was done. And his final match was against Tanahashi. Yeah, he like, dropped the belt and he was out of there. He was out of there. And uh, from there, uh, apparently they really let us like continue some of these stories that we've been telling with your guys over in America because people know who they are. And I mm-hmm. guess uh, Harold Mage, the president who's left, was like, no, no, no. You're not a proven company. We can't do that. Well, a year later, they've definitely proven themselves like in terms of sustainability and just popularity as well as growth which is like very important as well as potential mm-hmm. to grow the um they're, they're constantly very ranking very high with uh, younger viewers uh in the demographics and constantly growing those especially in the women's audiences which is another reason they should make that women's roster better but uh <laughs> yeah. um yeah. yeah 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 um john moxley worked over there uh mm-hmm. jericho actually brought the aew world title over for a match at world kingdom uh wrestle kingdom uh in 2019 i'm sorry in 2020 this year 2020 he uh did that um and moxley and lance archer even had a, ma- that was already at had a whole too. match yeah they had a whole match well no that's that well, build had a shout out from suzuki as well Ooh. oh yeah yeah the well the aew one he was talking about the one Wrestle Kingdom. Oh, right, right, right. Parish makes it sound like it happened as a lot. There was an entire story between them. As well as a fallout. As well as a fallout from that story. But you were going to say? Which one of us? Uh, You. Oh, yeah, no, sorry. I was just interjecting. You continue. Yeah, he he couldn't do anything. The uh, MRSA, I think, is what you're... Oh, God, yeah, that. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) that happened in the first year of AEW as well. Don't forget about that. Um, But yeah, uh, he also wrestled against uh, Minoru Suzuki after Lance Archer. Like, he had, like, a a crazy match with him, (laughs) frankly. I mean, does Suzuki have anything but crazy matches? Well... Uh, He has tag matches. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, his tag matches usually dissolve dissolve into him beating the shit out of someone ringside while Zack Sabre Jr. does some cool, like, spider monkey shit in the ring. (laughs) He does does techers, buddy. He does techers. Um, The rest of the wrestling world sees them as trending upward. Like, they're they're doing good. And, And... I, I don't know. Like I, I know for a fact that like the match quality is a big part of it. But what do you guys think is like the other thing that's like keeping, you know, these these foreign wrestlers who you know wrestle in Japan watching this product and go, man, I want to be there. I want to do that. I mean, you've seen how long Hikaru Shida has been champion, right? And like how often <laughs> she how often she defends it week after week, and that not including but not limited to that barn burner she had with Thunder Rosa. Mm-hmm. I mean, how would you how uh, look it over from Japan? Like, how would you feel? Yeah, seeing that? and I mean, like Rio being the inaugural champion. Like, I think you know the Joshi's that they featured. I think have been you know treated pretty well, booking and like wise and like by the audience, they've been very well received. Oh, they're rock stars. Mm-hmm. They're rock stars. I mean, again, I don't claim to understand the psychology of wrestlers. That's a very difficult thing for anybody to do, but um. Like, I can't imagine that you could look at that and see the kind of reaction, you know, Joshi's and, like, even the OVE guys got and, like, not think, oh, shit, I could get into, I could get in on that. Yeah, exactly. And, oh, man, um, the hypothetical scenario that I love seeing people speculate so far is that uh, once Kenny Omega gets the title and uh, he's he starts this undru- unstoppable, like, title run, 
What if one day he's in the middle of the ring cutting a fire promo and then we hear a coin drop? Oh god. What I want is for Ibushi to come back and him and Hangman just have an awkward meetup like that Kenny's like, oh shit, I have to introduce my exes to each other. God damn it. <laughs> yeah, like oh, I just want like I just wanted them to be like Kenny's just hangman's just like, oh, you're Coda, yeah. Kenny's mentioned you. Coda's like, oh, you're hangman. Kenny never mentioned you. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> That's rough. <laughs> no, you have to understand, I've put way too much thought into this. Like, Dakota is just gonna be the, like, complete, total, like, well-meaning airhead that just inadvertently keeps pissing Hangman off because he's too friendly. <laughs> Personally, I want Ibushi to be a heel in AEW. Kenny. I want, I want, I think it'd be interesting to see that relationship heal both their mutual insanity because you guys probably know Kota Ibushi as like the really talented like wrestler that you hear about from New Japan that Kota Kenny had like a queer romance angle but no he is a lunatic Kota Ibushi is a lunatic and I love it yeah no like there was a post-match interview during the G1 this year where he was like yeah no my teeth have been getting looser after each match I'm pretty sure by the end of this tournament I'm not going to have any left and then, like, literally his next post-match interview, he was like, oh, no, I went to the dentist. They said my teeth are fine. Don't worry about it. And to give you a little bit of, like, insight into what Kota Ibushi is like as a person, he doesn't need to wrestle for money. Like, his dad is, like, a hugely successful businessman. He's literally, like, an airheaded rich kid that wanted to wrestle, and his dad just signed uh, off on it because he doesn't need to, like, inherit anything. It's like, yeah, he has his money at home. He's wrestling because he loves getting the shit beaten out of him. To also, to oh. be clear, though, he didn't. He didn't just like his dad didn't just pay his way into wrestling. He also. Oh no, that's not what I meant. To imply he was like, he was like a dad. he was like a baggage handler and at the airport for many years while training. So. Oh yeah, no, oh. I didn't mean to imply that. I just meant that like there was no issue about like him needing to like work for money like yeah. before. Okay, yeah. Like he yeah, yeah, he yeah. went into the business. He has a handsome like, inheritance coming. Yeah, his he way. went into yeah. the business knowing he has a safety net. Which I guess translates to him just being as reckless as humanly fucking possible. God, bl God yeah. bless him for it, because every time I see Naito try to kill that man, I scream and enjoy yeah. that. <laughs> what I would okay, here's what I would really love to see happen if they do an AEW New Japan crossover. I want them to pull a Bret Hart. I want them to have guys who are heels in uh, North America, but faces in Japan and vice versa. Mm -hmm. Just completely just have a character that can pull on different strings with different audiences, but still be consistent. Like how Bret yeah. Hart was a face in Canada and heel everywhere else. Except maybe with a little bit more nuance than just hating America. I don't know. <laughs> I'm sure they can figure that out. Yeah, like we said, best minds in wrestling right now. And but of course, the all the all this is all the speculation is well and good, but like I feel like we need to wait until full car back again before we could do any of this. Oh, I mean, obviously, yeah, this is all, like, anything we talk about in the future is, like, post-plague speculation. Um, I gotta say, um, they've had some of their best pay-per-views I've ever seen. That's, I would agree with that. Yeah, honestly, yeah. But let's talk yeah. about this, um... I mean, I'd say some of the best wrestling pay-per-views I've seen. Like, just well-paced, like, incredible matches. Uh -huh. should, should, we, should we talk about some, like, of our favorite matches? Oh, yeah, sure. Dude. Yeah, yeah, dude. This, this is what this has been building to, like, our favorite individual moments. 
of each uh, yeah. uh, in the in this All past right. year. So yeah. you're the let's, guest. Uh, let's start first. with the host. Oh, you want me to go first because I'm a guest. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. Sure. I hope I hope I don't take too many of y'all's. Uh, I'm gonna I'm yeah. gonna start with um, probably I think the one that all of us love the most. Um, uh-huh. So AEW's tag division is really good and yeah. extremely. I think they definitely set the bar high with the Young Bucks versus Kenny Omega and Hangman Page for absolutely, AEW absolutely, yeah. at yeah. AEW Revolution. Like yeah. this is one of those things. It's like no, you need to watch this. Like yes. even if you're not into if if you're not that into wrestling and you have like a passing interest, like this is a start great here. place to start. Yes, this yeah. is a great yeah. place to start because the story package that they play beforehand is amazing. It summarizes the story perfectly uh the story that gets told in the ring uh if anybody ever tells you wrestling is a competition that's fake they're wrong and this is like the ultimate example of like why wrestling is just a play it is a play in a four corner ring and this just played on the emotions that wrestling can play on perfectly like it Mm -hmm. it's amazing because you You've it's seen... a ten out of ten match. Yeah, Weird. wrestling is punch ballet. That's what it is. Punch ballet. <laughs> punch ballet. Broadway's extreme division. Whatever you want to call it. I mean, have you seen what ballet dancers' feet look like? <laughs> That's true. Oh. I'm sure. I'm sure they. I'm sure they look. But yeah, like anything. How how to put this? How to put this? You see. Four best friends who have been on the road together for years just mm-hmm. come apart with not just as, as tag teams but as individuals. Yeah, because like, they they're struggling to preserve a friendship where you have to beat your opponent as hard as possible. And the the escal like the theme of that whole match was just escalation because you could see it on mm-hmm. the on the participants' faces where it's like, hey, yeah, cool, you kicked out of that. Uh, Oh, you you kicked out of that too. Uh, okay, d- dude. What what what? You're not making you're making this difficult. Come on. Or yeah, like, or what like you're doing being yeah. upset that you're being maybe a little too sporting in Hangman's case yeah. and getting upset with Kenny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just watch lots the match. of layers. Just it's so really good. Layers. It yeah. is. It is one of the best wrestling matches of Europe. Um, I think I think my other big one is probably. The um, I I hate to I hate to say it's gonna be mostly all Kenny Omega matches. Um, it's oh, uh, yeah. I was I mean, gonna call kinda, out the way the, they've been booking him. It's kind of unavoidable. Well, I mean, it's unavoidable because he's it's like him, Okada, and a couple. Well, I would just put as like the best wrestler in the world currently, but course, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, along with Ray Phoenix, who doesn't get to show that often in uh, yeah. AEW. But uh, mm-hmm. I was gonna say uh, Kenny Omega versus Pack in the thirty minute Iron Man match from uh, yes, the- yeah, oh, that, that, yeah, that was gonna be mine. Or, or I don't know, was that the th- was it the thirty eight? Okay, no, I, I don't think I, I don't think I'm thinking. Of- I'm thinking about I think you're thinking match. of their first TV match. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That That's where Pac stepped into a place. Yeah, right. But yeah, yeah, the 30 minute Iron Man match. That is probably one of the coolest TV matches I've ever um in my I, I'll admit I've not I've not been a wrestling fan for long. I've only been wrest- watching wrestling for only like a handful of years, but uh that is one of the coolest matches I've seen. Pack is an amazing heel. Just watch that to get a feel for like just wonderful heel work cuz like like he does like classic heel stuff especially with the uh, format of format of the Iron Man match was like 30 minutes and it's 
uh, best out of three falls. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, he, he spins one of his pins to get the advantage the next one. So it's very fun, fun little storytelling in it. And just those two guys, the, the wrestling chant goes fight forever. I could watch them fight forever. Uh, I think, I think I'm going to only say three here and I'm going to give a honorable mention to the match that creation. Um, I saw live uh, that being uh, the steel cage match with Cody Rhodes versus Wardlow. Yes. But I think my third favorite has got to be the very first five-star match of W. Uh, that being uh, Cody Rhodes versus Dustin Rhodes uh-huh. at uh, the very first uh, yeah. AEW event. W. That mm-hmm. is something else. Like, don't watch that if you're squeamish because it's bloody. Very bloody. Yeah. Yeah, uh, <laughs> long-time wrestler fans will know what I'm getting with this. It's like think Judgment Day, Eddie Guerrero, God Soul, but somehow worse. Yeah, <laughs> Cody Rhodes has bleached blonde hair, and the match was so bloody by the end it was pink hair. Uh, <laughs> it was yeah, yeah, like Crimson said pinkish. Yeah, <laughs> very, very intense visual, but such wonderful storytelling from both the men in that match, and it gets capped off with one of the most emotionally real. Promo, promos I've ever heard from a wrestler. Now, those are probably my three three favorites, but there's like so many more that I want to shout out. I just don't. <laughs> right, right. I all the airtime. Oh so, yeah. So, like, I guess if I'm gonna go for like my favorite matches, like, because you covered a lot of my favorites, so just to avoid repeats, I'm gonna go with a two and one here. Both of the Rio versus Nyla Rose yes, matches exactly. for the women's title were amazing because Rio is just such a phenomenal competitor that like she makes you believe that like a what four foot five foot tall woman can stand up to someone like nyla rose and actually win like Mm -hmm. it's just she's so phenomenal and i have missed her so much during this pandemic because like just during her run as champion she captured so many people's hearts right away and then like she truly is a gift because like those those are my other like big big mentions that uh i didn't want to hog up because like the second Riho and nyla match is like easily one of my favorite moments yeah that's easily like one of my favorite AEW matches ever and then speaking of the women um nyla rose versus hikaru shida at um i believe it was double or nothing this year yeah yes Um, yes that again just off the fucking walls so good like that's one of those matches where you get done and you're like okay how does any other show to how does any other match tonight top that match it was no dq right yeah it was no dq which is great because we got to see what cheetah can really do with that kendo stick (laughs) (laughs) yeah i just also for the record um i don't remember if i mentioned this last time but hikaru shida easily my favorite in aew of all time right now like nobody comes close sorry Mm. this is how it is Right. <laughs> she's obje- she's objectively the best. There's no argument here. He, he didn't make the rules. He's right. She really is the best. Yeah, no. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and um also Sheeta versus Thunder Rosa, which was just of I course. mean, y- yeah. you can't understate yeah. how amazing that match was. Like and I mean, it's just really 
I can't say it took me back because I wasn't alive yet, but it reminded me of like the old territory days of wrestling where like you could have people with a belt go to a different promotion and be like, hey, I'm the champion at other place. Let me fight the best person in this place and I'm going to be a dick about it. Yeah. And like you would just have a great <laughs> champion versus champion match just for superiority. And it was so good because both women are so talented. Yeah. And then like, I guess one other. So again, I don't hog all the... um screen time although it is i am one of the hosts so technically all the screen time is mine um no i'm not a despot what um but yeah i guess though. if i have to just pick one other match um i'm going to choose um moxley versus jericho for the world title yeah. just because of the finishing spot of moxley just being the cleverest bastard alive <laughs> and I'll, I'll i'll always forget the honestly the highlight of that wasn't even something during the match, it was it was the post match promo where they they played his music too early, and he Moss literally just blurts out, "Hey, what the fuck?" Yeah, <laughs> hey, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> just like very nonchalantly and just confused, actual yeah. real confusion. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the most real oh, thing man. that he could have said in that moment. <laughs> right. Um, right. And and since you brought up the Thunder Rosa as like a, I do also want. People towards the uh, Rosa versus Serena D match they did on Dynamite. That was about like a yeah. ten or fifteen minute long match, but it, really good old school style match. It was like yeah. it was very much a like a modern NWA match, which uh, I wouldn't recommend watching NWA because Billy Corgan's terrible. But mm -hmm. uh, yeah, really good. All right, my I guess I'll go now. Huh? Um, <laughs> yeah, whatever. No. Uh, so so yeah, um, my my biggest highlight is not so much a match, but it's just like a thematic through line that we've been going with. Just like everything with MJF, like MJF is just yeah, MJF is, he is just the future. The, the future, yeah, he, exactly. He's the future. He is the best heel working right now. No no doubt about it. And his match with Moxley, where he all the legal, you, you know me, I'm I'm a practical attorney. I, I I'm all for just like comedic bu legal bullshit where. He tries to get the paradigm shift contractually removed, and Moxley's just like, "Oh, how cute! You think I'm what? You think I'm a babyface who plays by the rules? Well, guess what? Chaotic good. Little ref, look over there. Blah. I'm undefeated now. But yeah, it's oh yeah, everything, everything with MJF. And um, as far as matches, um, well, I kind of gave up the ghost with. Uh, I still, I still say that uh, Pac's first match where he freaking put Kenny Omega to sleep because that just yeah. that to me set the entire tone for AW for me. I was just like, oh shit, they're serious. Like they're not gonna they're not just gonna give people wins just because of their name. Mm -hmm. That's like yeah. yeah. No, they're doing yeah. storytelling, man. <laughs> storytelling. And um honestly another match that was actually it was just a TV match, I think post pandemic, where it was a it was a women's fatal four way. I forgot who specifically was in it. I think it was Hikaru Shida and Chris Statlander and jeez, I can't remember it was what did this I think it was the number... one with Nyla and Britt, the one where Britt got injured, or was it the one with I think so Penelope, the one with Penelope. Yeah, that's that's the one. Yeah, okay. It's because we had yes. Now I remember. Yeah, it's coming back to me because that showed to me that showed me just like, hey, Penelope's not just uh, not just going to be the Stacy Keebler to Kip Sabian, Scott Steiner. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I uh, okay, get some yeah, real really inside baseball Penelope. terminology here, but. Yeah. Yeah, Penelope <laughs> is has to has turned out to be great. Has turned out to be great. I really she's love fantastic. what she's going yeah. with. 
Yeah, I just I kind of hope she doesn't uh, take a backseat to the uh, shit. What are they calling Rusev these days again? Miro. 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 Yeah, I, I kind of hope he doesn't. Name. Yeah, <laughs> he's the best. He's the best. Okay, but yeah, I kind of hope she doesn't take a backseat to whatever he's got going on with Miro. But like I said, yeah. Miro's gonna get like ditched as soon as they get actually married, and he's gonna like be a singles guy. Oh yeah, well I wouldn't mind that. And um, oh my gosh, I just want to give um. I just want to. My heart is is full for all the people who came, who just all the people in general who came from WWE over to AEW, including most recently Miro, uh, but also FTR and uh, well, formerly former Luke Harper, now uh, shit. Brody Lee. Brody Lee. I was gonna call him Adrian Brody because I'm a dumbass, but Mike Brody Lee. Oh man, we haven't Jeez. even talked about how good Brody he started. Been well, I was, I guess, I think uh, we we're all kind of worried that he was just going to be a paper thin Vince McMahon caricature, but nah, he's evolved into something more now. And that, that's honestly what, uh, like a tiny microcosm of what gives me hope for the product because d- who, who saw that, who predicted that he was going to beat Cody for the TAT title, let alone in a fucking squash? That was beautiful. Yeah, yeah. And, not not only that, but like everything that they've been doing with the Dark Order, it's just like they're yeah, there's lore now, like good lore with these with these what started off as like an internet cult and uh, these Coopers, yeah, these <laughs> they're a freaking uh, shit. I, I, I'm, I'm sure they're 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 that uh, team, they're that villain team, they're Team Rocket. That's what they are. They're team. They're team. They're basically the Team Rocket of AEW with. Some hyper with a hyper competent head, but kind of bubbling underlings. You know, that's what I love about them. They remind me. They remind me more of like a cobra or something. Because there was a moment there last year where they did kind of a um, Saturday morning cartoon kind of angle with uh, Jurassic Express, and that was when they debuted yeah, like their little like salute. corrupt Marco stunt. And I was like. Yeah, yeah, and I was like, "Is this, this is just just Cobra?" Yeah, no, <laughs> yeah. But I mean, if we are going by the um, Team Rocket comparison, Brody Lee is basically Giovanni. He's basically a gym leader. Yeah, I mean, shit, he even looks like one. Yeah, I mean, Silver and Reynolds are basically um, well, Jesse I mean, I guess right now Silver and Anna J are Jesse and James, and I guess that makes Reynolds meowth. Or, <laughs> or is Silver Meowth? He definitely <laughs> talks more and is the I don't know. I love. Um, I was gonna say I I really love the Dark because they're using a bunch of indie dudes who are incredible and they really haven't been able to show it because they've had to be kind of dorky jobbers because mm-hmm. they're in the Dark Order mm-hmm. and that's kind of their thing. Uh, but they get to show they get to like let it shine through once in a while, like Eve Luna and Stu Grayson. They, I mean, we, if you've ever watched uh, PWG Pro Wrestling Guerrilla, you already know what it is with them. But uh, John Silver has been doing stuff with GCW and BLP for years, and he's amazing. Um, uh, it's the same with Alex Reynolds. Um, and uh, Parish and I know this from uh, personal experience because he's actually one of the performers. Uh, Alan Angels is just right. capable of so, so much. And... Like th- that is like the most stacked roster, like like in terms of talents, like a uh, stacked stable within AEW, in my opinion. And just mm-hmm. people don't know yet, and I can't wait for them to really just right. show that off. 
especially with Colcabana there now, because they're doing the uh, whole entire storyline with, uh, hey, the, the really sweet, nice dude is in the And he's not the wiser. <laughs> Looks like he's been a bumbling <laughs> idiot. And he's none uh, the wiser. And uh, yeah, no, there's a lot of really high potential with Dark Order there, especially with Brody Lee being at the helm, because that that's a really creative dude. Um, just based on uh, a lot of the stuff that I've seen from uh, his time in Shikara when he actually had creative control over himself. <laughs> right. Oh, man. So um, just because we're going a little long here, uh, just to wrap up, I think, uh, well, they, we've got a tournament coming up. Uh, how do you see it playing out? Uh, Omega versus the finals. Tough. So, so let me start by saying, uh, I think it's awesome that we know what we think is going to happen, but I'm not 100% right. sure if they're going right. to do the obvious thing. Yeah. And of course, the obvious thing here being Kenny and Hangman in the final. Yeah. Now, I do think the storytelling potential if Hangman loses right. and doesn't make it to the final, but Kenny does, is a fucking gold mine, and I'd love to see them go for that. Man, so many possibilities. <sighs> yeah. Especially if the guy he loses to gets to the finals and then loses to Kenny. Ooh, that would be great. Oh, man. Especially because then you deep into the um, MJF Wardlow angle because Wardlow gets so close and then botches it somehow. And then, and even then, like some of the even beginning matches, like how the hell is uh, Pentagon and Phoenix going to turn out? Like what? Did, like regardless of how that match turns out, like how is that going to affect the relationship going forward? Or is or is Eddie just gonna or is Eddie just gonna play yeah. peacekeeper again or Team Dad again and just try and keep the peace? Man, we didn't even talk about Eddie Kingston. Dude, that Eddie Kingston versus Kenny. Uh, I'm sorry, Eddie Kingston versus Cody Rhodes match popped up for the first time. Yep, mm-hmm. watch that, yeah. folks. That is <laughs> king shit. <laughs> you want to know what king shit is? That's king <laughs> shit. King for um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think the um, Ray Phoenix and Penta match will be quite something else because yeah. they're just gonna have a triple A match, <laughs> and triple A is amazing. <laughs> Like it is all over the place. It is going from spot to spot to spot, and a lot of old heads hate that kind of thing. And me, I'm just over here just eating popcorn <laughs> and having the time of my life watching AAA. And I cannot wait to watch people. I think this will be like one of the matches where Ray Phoenix gets to show the world, remind the world. Oh, by the way, I'm as good as Kenny Omega and Kazuchika Okada. <laughs> you don't ever talk. That's about good. It. That's good. <laughs> <sighs> so, yeah, just kind of to sum up. Um, so yeah, we have, we've got, we got issue. Well, our, seems like our biggest issues are just with the women's division and their booking. Um, they but they've, they've held strong in their diversity and their match quality and yeah, going forward, it's going to be incredible to see what they do with the new, with not only new Japan, but also with this tournament that they're, that's coming up because even the individual matches leading up to it to have are ripe for storytelling. I just want to see Orange Cassidy and Best of the Super Juniors like they've already winked and oh, nodded man. towards. There's so many stuff that we just don't have the time to get into here, like Orange Cassidy, or we like we can't we can't we already have yeah. time for uh, Ty Dillinger. God damn it, um, Sean Spears, Sean Spears, and Scorpio Sky. Like we we still don't know where that's going yet. That's that's uh, that's not even gonna. I I hate to say it, but that's not. <laughs> That's going to be a mid car thing that just uh, happened. I mean, yeah. Unfortunately. I just want Sean Spears to do something. I'll have an episode there. where um, we just have flashcards with all the old WWE guys, and Paresh has to remember all of their actual current ring names. 
<laughs> we'll start easy yeah. by holding up uh, Adrian Neville. Pack. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Okay. Um. Well, this is this, this was great. Um. Yeah. So see you guys on Wednesday. See you for the first round of this tournament. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, this has been a great episode of Busted Heads. Indeed. <laughs> yeah, sure. Actually, that has a really nice ring to it. Hmm. I mean, I'd like to think at this point we've propelled anybody who would have an issue with pronouns from listening to this podcast. But hey, if you're still here and, you know, you're one of those types, uh, maybe rethink everything about your life. Yeah, or, or, or totally just shove it up your ass. I will pick a fight with you. <laughs> He'll do it. He's crazy. 1v1. Hell in a cell. Space song versus internet randos. Book it. I am untouchable. My co-host is a lawyer. I will come for you.